listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, we have a special treat for you today. Uh, we have a pastor, an incredible man of God, who is passionate for reaching the lost. He has a preaching gift uh, like few do. Uh, he's the senior pastor of One Oak Church in Royal Oak, Michigan, a growing passionate for reaching lost people for Jesus Church. And we are honestly blessed and privileged to have him here today. New Chapel, would you stand on your feet and honor Pastor Robbie Emery? Come on, really honor him today. Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus. Come on, just go ahead and worship him for a minute today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Um, it feels like home, right? I love New Chapel. I love coming here. Um, especially, I always feel like it's right about this time I get to come back to, to New Chapel because um, uh, Pastor Joe is going off to kill Bambi, and so he invites me. He invites me to come in, and, and I love it. I love being a part of New Chapel. I love seeing God do incredible things with, with this great church, and I, I'm excited to see all the new things. And like, it seems like every year I come back and preach, the Bevelacqua's got a new kid. It's awesome. I love it. Because they have 37 children now. And so, um, but I <laughs> love it. Um, but this is, it is an honor to be here. I, I believe that as, as I, I think there's a few things. One is church, you should come to church and you should laugh. Uh, you, you should cry. You should have all the, all your kind of like emotions and things that you, feelings that you, should all happen in church. This should be the place where everything that your life needs should take place. And if you've never been to church where you've laughed or you've never been to church where you've sang or prayed, this is that church for you. And I love what God has done with this church. It's always, it seems like God is always doing new things, doing greater things. And, and we have to tell ourselves, right? We have to tell ourselves, I love change, Right? Because we don't. We're like, you have to wake up every morning and say, I love change. You don't love change, but you have to commit to that because, I mean, you're going to go to Starbucks and order the same cup of coffee every time. Like, or you're just going to get a cup of coffee. You're not going to get all that foo-foo stuff. You just want, you know, black coffee. That's all I want. But are you like, you're going to go to work, right? You take the same route to work and home every day. You don't deviate from it. You take that route. And I'm telling you, if there's traffic or there's something, you just, you get upset. Someone impedes your transportation. Because we don't like change. We don't. But change is important. Change is important. Because if you're not changing, then you're actually probably dead. I walked in to church this morning, and I was greeted by my Uncle Ed and Aunt Sheila, and they're like, man, it looks like your church is growing and things are happening. I'm like, yeah, it looks like it is. God's doing great things because things that are alive change. Things that are alive mature. Things that are alive grow. And I, I, New Chapel is alive. New Chapel is growing. New Chapel is diverse, both in ethnicity and, and, and age, right? New Chapel, we want people who are hip and people who need a hip, right? That's what we want. Right. Come on, somebody. But it's we're, we we wanted wanted to be alive. I have I have three kids. They're fifteen year old twin daughters, and you pray for a brother, right? And uh, and a ten year old son. And when my girls were young, when they're four or five years old, I would sit on the couch next to them and say, "Hey, don't get any bigger. Don't grow up," because I knew they would be fifteen someday. Don't grow up. Stay, stay, stay small. And, and you know, they, they said, but daddy, I can't. I can't. I, I can't. And I, I understood. You know, I, I know what I was saying. I didn't want them to grow up, but I really do want them to grow up. Because if they're not maturing and growing and getting bigger, then there's a deficiency in them physically. And so with their, if they're healthy, there's growth. If it's healthy, there's change. I'm telling you, as Christians, as a church, we need to grow and mature and become more and healthy because that is life. And he's come to give us life and more abundant life. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding already. 
I know you're looking at this guy. He needs a pair of socks on. That's what you're thinking. I get it. No, it's okay. But help me preach today. I'm words of affirmation. My love language just keep throwing back at me. Amen. Preach, white boy. Whatever you want to say, it's okay. Guy in leather jacket, go after it. Whatever. It's important, though, that we have an opportunity to grow. Because if we don't take steps of growth, and it's a step, it's, a, it's, an, action, it's an action thing we have to do. Even, even in the story of the Bible where there is, with the disciples are on the sea, right? Remember they're on the sea and some, some figures is walking towards them. They're like, oh, they perceived it was a ghost, the Bible says. And Simon Peter was one of the men on the boat. And he says, if it's you, Jesus, ask me to move forward. If it's you, Jesus, help me to take this new step. And let me just say, that was the right question. Because God has more for you, some greater things in your life, but I want you to make sure it's him first. Because if it's not him, I don't want to go out there. There's no way I want to step into an area where it's not Jesus. Jesus, if it's you, ask me to come forward. And he does. And he says, yes, it's me. Come forward. And Simon Peter steps out of the boat, begins to walk on water. And when I read scripture, there's only two people that I've ever seen walking on water, read their walk on water. One was the son of God and the other was Simon Peter. Right? Simon Peter walks on water, does something that only Jesus is doing at the time. And he has an incredible experience. He does something that no one has ever done. And what we have over here is a few people that are in the boat, that are just in the boat. They see Simon Peter walking on water. They only can tell the story that he got to do. You see, a lot of times there's a lot of us who are in this boat called church, called safety, called convenience. And there's other people who are walking on water, who are stepping out in faith, asking God, what would you have me to give? Okay, I'm going to give that, and I'm going to step out in faith. Where would you have me to serve? Okay, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to step out in faith. And we just tell their story because they're the ones walking on water. I don't want to tell someone else's story of the miraculous. I want to tell my story of what God has done in my life. Jesus, is it you? Yeah, come on, let's go for a walk. Because where you walk with Jesus will be far greater than anywhere you could walk by yourself. You're walking on water with him. More importantly, you're walking on a word with him. I believe God is calling us to greater things. God is calling you. God is calling the church, this church, the church, to greater things, to more. And what we have to realize in that step, in that realizing that the church is not a place. It's a people. I have this love-hate relationship with Walt, with uh, Disney World, right? If you've ever been to Disney World, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and the reason that is is that over 50 years ago, a man decides to go to Kissimmee, Florida, and buy, a, buy up a bunch of swampland, build an amusement park there, and coined the phrase, the happiest place on earth. He coined it. He said, this is the happiest place on earth. And, we, and, and, and through 50 years, we've learned that the happiest place on earth, this is that. And what I don't like about it, I'll say this, is because what they're saying is that happiness is a destination. And a lot of times that works its way into our lives, our culture. Like happiness for you is seven days you get off of work in a year to go on vacation. Happiness is this thing. Happiness is that thing. Happiness is not a destination. It's a determination. That happiness is going to be, I can be happy in my car on my way to a job that helps pay my bills. I can be happy in my home. I can be happy today. It's a determination that I have. And I'll tell you this, the church is not a place, it's a people. When I go to work, I take church with me. When I get in my car and I go to the mall, I take church with me. Church doesn't need Pastor Joe and church doesn't need to worship. Now, do you know what I'm saying? You don't need him to go with you on your job to bring Jesus where you're going. You are the church. So if we want the local church to grow, if we want the, the church to grow, and I'm not talking about in people, but I am talking about in people. We want things to grow, then we as individuals have to accept what God has for us. For us. Is you going to help me preach today? Come on, I'm about to preach. I haven't preached yet. This is my introduction. Stand, stand with me. I want to read some scripture. We're going to jump around for a minute. Not literally jump around, but... Come on, aren't you glad you came to church today? Woo! Man, I love, I love October. It's my favorite. I, honestly, it's probably my favorite month to preach. I don't know why. It's just, it's my favorite month. It's awesome. 
John chapter 3, verse 30. You got to get this. Bible says he must become more important while I become less important. So the Bible says. Not Robbie. Bible. He must become more important, I come less important. Only that you know, you're not that big of a deal. You're not that big of a deal. I'm not that big of a deal. No socks, leather jacket, not that big of a deal. It's not, I'm not that big of a deal. And I think if we live in a world that we didn't take ourselves too seriously or so seriously, that our world would be a better place. Because we live in a world in a construct that people take themselves so seriously. We're so easily offended. Why? Because we take ourselves so seriously. And all, and all scripture, when I read, if we'll, we become less, like I'm, I'm going to become less so he can become more. I'm going to intentionally become less of Robbie. And so he, and I'm going to intentionally make sure he becomes more. So I'll, let me say this. By you becoming less, by you saying, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking myself too seriously. I'm, I'm just living this life. I'm doing the best I can. That's the beginning. But you have to make him become more. You have to intentionally make God become more in your life. You have to make him a priority. I have to make Sundays a priority. I have to make my relationship with God a priority. The Bible says, David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That is an action step. It just doesn't happen by making myself less. Are we tracking? We good? I'm giving you some good Bible teaching here. And then it goes on to say in Matthew 20, verse 26, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. That was the best word that they have to be baseline, to be the bottom. If you want to be great, you got to serve. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. God's greater vision for your life isn't based on a formula. It's built on a promise. Right? It's built on the promise that God has something great for you. It's not step one and step two. It's not two plus two. It is a promise that God has for you. You have to get this. The good news is that it can begin today. I can make a decision today for more that God has for me. That's good news. The bad news is, is that by making this decision, we understand that every Batman has a joker. Every lion has another team in the NFL. And every Cardi B has a Nicki Minaj. So the greater life God has promised you isn't to go up, going to show up and, and, and save the day without a fight. We have to fight for this. We have to fight for greater things for our church. We have to fight for greater things for the church. We have to fight for greater things for our lives. God's vision starts with becoming more acutely aware of God's presence in your life. You have to get this because here is where it is. John 14 and 12, this is what Jesus says. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to do what he did. Raise the dead, bring sight to blind eyes. Let me tell you, that happens every Sunday. People are receiving sight every Sunday. They walk in here blind, not knowing that they have a future in Jesus Christ. He removes the scales, and now they see that I have greater things in Jesus Christ. People come in here every Sunday dead to sin, and they give their life to Jesus, and he brings new life to them. And, and he says, we'll do also, and get this, and, I love that coordinating conjunction there, and, Greater works. Everyone say greater works. Then these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Say he'll do it. That the father may be glorified in the son. Not that so you can post it on, the, on social media. Not so you can say, hey, look, I got a new house. I'm going on vacation. No, that so the can be glorified. So God can be glorified. Let me just pause here and say this for a minute. The Bible talks about God colors and God lights. It's, it's it coming out in us. I, I, got a, I got a haircut, and for whatever reason, it's odd. I'll get a compliment about my haircut. Y'all, I just go to great clips. I, it's just great clips cuts my hair, all right? And they'll comp, someone will compliment me, and what I'll know, Uncle Ed, is it's not me they're complimenting. It's something else, but they only recognize. They say, it's got to be the hair. It's not the hair. It's the God colors coming out in you. So when someone compliments you, quickly realize and recognize, that's the God in me. That's my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not your light. It's his light shining through you. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great church.
God, I thank you for what you're about to do in this service for the next 20 minutes. God, I pray you would intersect in their lives, God. God, build something on the inside of them, this urgency to want to do more, to become more in you. As I become zero, Lord, you become the hero that we all need. God, do something great in this service. Let your light shine through all of us. Let us make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. High five two people and you can be seated. Some of you didn't high-five anybody. It's all right. I told the first service, the reason why we have you high-five people is so we can take a drink of water. Or we'll pray, hey, bow your heads, let's pray, I got a drink. As I mentioned, I have three kids and 15-year-old twin daughters, a 10-year-old son. and Parenting's difficult, right? Parenting is, is tough. And what I've, what I've learned in, 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 in parent, like, so for example, um, we're, we're doing like a, something on October 31st with our church, and the kids are coming, they're going to get candy, and we're like, hey, I want you to dress up like a princess or a superhero, whatever you want to come, but no scary costumes, right? And they're announcing it, they're announcing it at our church, no scary costumes, I'm standing next to my wife, and they said it once, and they circle back and say it again, and no scary costumes, I lean over my wife and said, because kids are scary by themselves. Right? When, my, when my daughters were really young, they'd come in our room, they'd wake up in the middle of the night, come in our room, and they would just stand over our bed, just look at us. That is the scariest thing ever. That's my, that's my child, but she's just staring at me, wakes me up, the presence of her. I'm like, what are you about to do to me? Get thee behind me, Satan. Anyways. But when you have children, right, you'll... When you have children, if you go from like this, this single married life, it's just the two of you, you're like living your best life, and then, then you're like, hey, you might, all of a sudden you think about having kids. Let me just give you a little heads up on this. You'll never sleep again, ever, ever sleep again. Like, like it changes everything, right? Everything changes. You don't drive the same. You don't go out to restaurants the same. You never sleep the same. Like if you're thinking about having children, just realize all of this we had twin daughters or our first one we would we would rarely go out to eat and when we do we'd have to tip extra because it would look like a hurricane had just gone through that restaurant there was cheerios everywhere right and so it changes everything and you know uh because I, I, i'll give you an example here let me let me illustrate something when if you're like a single married couple and you're like you want to leave the house like hey you you want to go you want to go to the restaurant yeah let's go that's how you do it that easy. When you're married and you got kids and you want to leave the house, hey, my son's name Silas. Silas, we got to go, son. I'm just screaming. I've been screaming for five minutes. Let's go. It's like, I can't find my shoes. Where'd you last see them? On my feet. You can't just leave, right? It just doesn't happen. It's, there's, there's no ease in, in, in doing, man. It's, and so with twin daughters, being a single man, you know, now married and with three kids, I appreciate being alone. <laughs> Pastor Joe's like, hey, you want to come preach? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with twin daughters and a son, it's exhausting watching my wife do all the work. Um, <laughs> she should get some help. It's, it's hard sleeping with all the screaming going on, but I get through it. Like my six-year-old niece just had a birthday last week. And uh, I'll tell you this, parents, did, parents didn't invent this. They did not invent this. They, you, parents of children did not. Someone else, someone who like, I'm going to put something on them. They decided that, hey, who decided like at a birthday party, we're going to give them sugar bread and sugar milk and see what happens, right? That is like a disaster. Let's give a six-year-old all this sugar and see what happens on this day. Just, it just, it's, ah, and then a meltdown. It's just tragedy. And so when all this happens, all, all in our home, you, you, you can probably relate to this. I, I will be in my house and I'll hear something like a big old thud, right? Boom. Or there's screaming going on. Something happens like, hey, what, what, hey, what, what's going on? What are, you, what are you guys doing? And the response every time in 15 years of being a parent is, hey, what's going on? And the response is, yeah, come on, you know. 
That is it. Worked out better than I thought. Nothing. Nothing. Who teaches them this? Because I, I, I am, I am, I, I know for a fact, you do not have to teach children how to lie. They just get it, right? It's just in them. But in that response of nothing, I think there's a, there is, there's something about that. that I believe in our lives, there's, there's, there's a nothing that we need to step into. I believe Jesus is asking us to become nothing and more of him. You see, if I'm full of Robbie, then I can't be full of him. If I'm all about Robbie and all about Robbie and what Robbie wants to do and, and all that, then I can't be full of him. It's, it's common balance. It's common quantity. If I'm full, then you can't add more to me. But if I'm empty, then he can add what he needs to add into my life. And every, every time you come to do his presence, you go to your knees in prayer, you read the word of God, what are you trying to do? You're trying to empty yourself out and add more of him. You see, the problem is, is we don't realize that. We're just, we're just, we're in a knowledge-based society. We're just trying to take on, we're takers, we're get, 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 get. What we have to realize is I've got to dump all that stuff out sometimes so I can take in more of him, so I can make a difference in the lives of others. Because Robbie can't make a difference in the lives of other people. The Jesus in Robbie is what makes a difference in the lives of others. And if they see me, then they won't see a solution. They see me, they won't see a savior. If they said, so I have to do that. And the problem is, a lot of us are standing up for Jesus and standing with Jesus. If this is Jesus and I'm standing up for him, all they see is me. They see my post, they see my initiative, they see my declaratives. I don't stand up for Jesus, I stand with Jesus. Stand with him. I got to tell you that that scripture that we read, it rattles me a bit. In fact, it, let me just drop the mask and be honest, it rattles me a lot. Jesus says it is his intent on me to do greater things than he did. To you do greater things than Jesus. He who raised the dead, opened blind eyes, fed the hungry, baffled the wise, convicted the self-righteous, and so much more. It says that my life and your life should be greater than his. Even John said that, that all the things that Jesus did were not even penned in the word of God that we write, we read. And I hear what he's saying. But then I see how we're living. More and more believers are unsatisfied with the kind of Christians they're becoming. And the version of Christian life they're experiencing. This cul-de-sac Christianity. They aren't bad people. They just aren't living greater lives than anyone else. And it seems many people, in a quest not to ruin their lives with risks or bad choices, make no choices or risks at all. And the thing is, believers aren't imminent, in imminent danger of ruining their lives. They're not. They're facing a danger that's far greater, wasting them. We wake up one day, find ourselves in miserable mediocrity. We tuck away our dreams and notions of great things we'd like to do for God, and we choose unfulfilling, predictable life over unpredictable, fulfilling one. We can't keep living like this. He's calling us to greater things, greater, a greater walk with Him. I can walk on path streets, or I can walk on water. It's not fine for you to settle for going for an everyday job you prefer to quit doing decent work, being a pretty good person compared to your neighbor because you mow your lawn and they don't, paying your bills on time, sporadically reading the Bible, reading of stories of past and old things, thinking, wow, that was great for Moses and that was, that was great for Jonah and that was great for Simon Peter. But we, we, we contextualize it and saying, man, they did great things for God. They did it. Otherwise, just reading a story and not realizing we're called to do greater things. Not even greater things than Moses. Not even greater things than John the Baptist. Greater things than Jesus. And it's not another prophet stating that. It's Jesus saying you're going to do greater things. The greater things are hinged on us accepting the responsibility of stepping into the next that God has for each and every one of us. Jesus himself said this. I say to you, he who believes in me, 
The works that I do, he will do also. And the greater works than these, he will do. You're here today. And you can testify to the fact you've given your life to Christ. And where you were and where you are now is far greater. But a lot of times we settle for where we are now, for not where we could be next. I tell our church every Sunday, what is next is better than what is. And we have to walk in that, because if we don't walk in that, then we'll just, we'll live on past experiences. We'll, we'll, man, you remember that revival we had? You remember that move of God we had? I, and a lot of times we get stuck in the, the familiar parts of it well. We, we, we run to church and we've got to go to the same corner and pray, because that's where God did something in my life, at that same corner, at that same moment. And we get caught in this religious act of this is where it is. And if God doesn't do it the same way he did it in the past, we get frustrated and tired. And God's always wanted to do a new thing. He's wanted to do a new thing, but he's waiting on us to step into that greater thing that he has for us. Are you ready to open your imagination to the possibility that God has a vision for your life that is greater? Man, what is that? What is that for your life? Greater than the labels you were given when you were young. Greater than the cynicism that maybe settling is that you're getting older. I'm preaching to someone there. Greater than the empty earthly success that brings no eternal reward. Greater than the shame tethered to you like a stone from the sins of your past. Are you ready for greater? Greater than the abuse you suffered at the hands of people you once trusted. Greater than the hell you've been through and the trials of your life. Greater than that. Greater than the dreams you've dreamed for yourself. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we can ask. Or Do you believe it? We believe so quickly we do. If we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're saved. We get that. Like, man, my name is in heaven. I'm good. But do you believe that heaven can happen on earth? I do. I believe that heaven can happen on earth. Heaven doesn't have to be a destination. It can be a determination. And that heaven can happen where we are. And heaven happens when we decide as individuals, as a church, as believers, to step into the greater place that he has for us. Do you want a greater life? I do. I do want a greater life. I want a greater life than I had last year. I want a greater life than I had last month. I want a greater life than I had last week. I want to step into that. I want to walk into that. Breaking out of the orbit of complacency and mediocrity requires waging war against the enemy. But surprisingly, I find over and over again that my greatest enemy of my greater life that God has for me, it's me. The me that would rather not try to try and fail. The me that knows I don't have it all together, so why do you try to get any of it together? And if the devil can't, Suck us into this lesser loser life through complacency. He'll trap us with condemnation. Condemned over what I haven't begun. Condemned over the person that I'm not yet. Let me pause here and just say, don't allow other people's timelines to determine your timeline. We get so frustrated. I, I should be married by now. I, on who? Based on who? I should have kids by, by who? Who says? I should have accomplished, who, who says? You see, we start putting their timelines on us. And that condemnation will settle in. And we'll never step into greater because the enemy is condemning us for our would have, could have, and should have. Nobody does greater things for God because they've got it all together. And nobody is disqualified because they don't, including you and me. God doesn't do greater things exclusively through great people. He does them through anyone who's willing to trust him in greater ways. A lot of us, what we allow to keep us from greater is excuses. Excuse. We're really good at it. We're really good at justifying things. Excusing, I, I just can't, I don't have the time. I, I, I just, and, and I always tell people, I don't have the time because we've not created the margins. We have the time. We do. 
we have the time. And we have the finances. We're the most blessed people. We have it. We keep, we hold it back. We bring up excuses from this life that God is calling us to. And there's a, there's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament of a man that does something so out of the ordinary. And Uncle Ed steps into the most extraordinary life that he could ever have. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19 and 19, it tells a story of two men. Two prophets, eventually prophets. One's named Elijah, the other's named Elisha. Elijah did amazing things. Elijah outran chariots, called fire down from heaven, took on the prophets of Baal, parted waters. What did Elisha do? Well, at the point we begin reading, he's just plowing. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. No, he's a very wealthy man. His family's wealthy to have that many oxen. And he was with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him, threw his mantle on him. It was just a robe, a piece of garment. There's nothing wrong with plowing. Let me just stop there and say there's nothing wrong with plowing. There's nothing wrong with clocking in the job faithful every day. There's nothing wrong with that. Somebody's got to. We have to do that. But when you spend every day plowing, the smells and scenery always stays the same. Some of you, that describes your existence. Always behind someone in front of you. Looking at their backside. But doing the same stuff over and over again is not a bad thing. That routine is, I'm a routine person. I like it. I like routine. But doing it over, over, it's not bad. It's great for marriages. It's it's great for health. The diet and exercise, it's, it's good. But it becomes a problem when we equate that into our relationship with God. If you come to church on Sunday, we probably sit in the same seat. We, we, we take up the same, same area. It's comfort because we're used to routine. Nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to greater things in God, sometimes we have to step out of the routine. Sometimes I, I should go to the altar. I've never been. Never raised my hands. I've never been on the serve team. I've never committed to being a faithful giver to the church. I'm, I'm going to step out of what I've been doing and allow God to do even more in my life. Some of us are locked into the routine of the status quo, getting by and making ends meet and never making a difference. But hundreds of miles away from the tyranny of the plow, God had been talking about Elisha behind his back. Love it. I want you to know today that God's having a conversation behind your back. Now, a lot of people may have talked about you behind your back, and I'm sure it's not been very positive. But when God has a conversation about you behind your back, it's always going to be about the greater plans he has in store for you. It's always going to be about what's next in your life that's better than what is in your life. God's having a conversation to Elijah about Elisha, telling him, I've got a divine calling that's going to happen. Someone needs to hear that. You've got a calling on your life. I want you to know that a calling is not just a man with a microphone standing on the stage. It is part of a calling, but it's not the only calling. God's got a calling on your life. And we always have to start where we are with our calling. Where, where do I start with my calling? Start where you are. Start with your job. Start with your school. Start with your community. Start where you are. I'm not called to your career. I'm not called to your job. I'm not called to your community. I know where I'm called to. That is your space. That is where you're accountable to. And that is where your greater life is going to happen is in the context in which you live. Jeremiah said, I know the thoughts I have for you. Peace and not of evil, future and a hope. Hold on to that. Because I know some of your view hasn't changed in a while. And you've not heard what God has been speaking about you. Just because you can't hear it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I'm telling you, we, 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 we live in a time where we, we're, we're aggressive. We, we have hand sanitizer. We wash our hands. And, and what we're doing is we're eliminating things we cannot see. I cannot see the germs I'm washing away. But we're really good at it. 
We're like, is God having a conversation? I can't hear it. I can't see it. It is there. It's there. It's there. You have to, you have to recognize it. You have to lock into it. It goes on to say, I'm almost done. He departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with the 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him, threw his mantle on him. He left, Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I'll follow you. He said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? One day the ordinary was interrupted by a calling. So how will you know the interrupting God's calling in your life? We have to get used to those spiritual vibrations. You'll call it a gut feeling. You'll call it mother's intuition. It's not your gut, and it's not an intuition. I'm telling you, it's God. It's God. Again, take the credit off of you and give it to God. It is the Holy Spirit telling you to check your teenager's phone. It is the Holy Spirit encouraging you to take those steps. It is the, it's not a God. It's not intuition. It's the nudging of God. We are all spiritual beings, and he is pushing us and nudging us to greater things. And we are just one step, one moment, one acceptance from God doing more than we can even ask or imagine. He says, let me go say goodbye to mom and dad. What he was saying, he said, let me say goodbye to all the wealth, all the comfort. Oh, mom knows how to fold my laundry real good. Oh, mom's, mom's meals are way better than probably this prophet's meals, right? Just a single dude on a journey. Mom's cooking is going to be way better. Right, let me go say goodbye to that. Five years ago, my wife and I decided that, hey, we're going to move from Houston, Texas to start a church in Michigan. And it was a journey, I'm telling you. We had a, we had a good job. Great job. We were, we were working at a great church, a growing, thriving, big church. We were great salary. We had the good insurance, too. I'm telling you, the good insurance. The insurance that you care more about than the salary. That's how good it was, right? I don't care about I'm just the good insurance. We left the good insurance. And followed a calling. Five years into it, I'd do it all over again. I'd say yes all over again because my wife and I decided a long time ago we're going to say yes to God before you even ask a question. Yes. Yes. We decided that. And so he says, hey, let me go say goodbye to mom and dad. He says goodbye, but he does something else. Something so unique, something so amazing. He goes and he gets the 12 yoke of oxen. And he takes, the, he takes the plow and everything, and he builds a fire with the plow and the yoke. And then he, he cooks the oxen and serves it as food. And then he goes and he follows Elijah, and he's his servant. And the end of the story of Elisha, he ends up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Elijah did seven notable miracles. Elisha did 14. He did greater things because he decided that the family or the comfort, the calling was greater. I'm going to go into greater things. I'm going to step into what God has for me. He burned the oxen. He burned the equipment. I'm telling you, your greater things is not a dream house. No, your greater things begin with burning down your old house. What you need today is a box of matches. And burn down your old house. What is your old house? Your excuses for not doing greater things. I've been living in the house of excuse for far too long. I'm going to set fire to it and step into greater things. I'm going to set fire to it. I, I've been using excuses why I couldn't contribute. I've been using excuses why I couldn't serve. I've been using excuses why I couldn't share my faith with somebody else. I'm going to set fire to those things. I'm going to light it up. Come on. I'm going to light it up. Some of you here today, there's, there's someone. Someone here today, by you lighting fire to excuses, you're going to be the answer to someone else's prayer. If we are his hands and we are his feet, if we are his voice, then a lot of us, a lot of people who are praying, maybe in this room, they're praying for a miracle, and you're that miracle in their life. 
And the only way you can receive that is you step into greater things. That's what Jesus was talking about. Greater works than these will you do. Set fire to it. Because if I don't set fire to it, then I might want to go back to it. I might go, want to go back to the comfort. But if I set fire to excuse, no more. Sign me up. Where's that giving envelope? I want, I want, to, I want to jump in. I want to be in the blessing. Uh, we're, we're serve team, I, I want to sign up. I, 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 want, I want to be a part of that. I, I want to join. Sign, sign me up. I, I want to be a part of it. Living the greater life begins with a box of matches. Your plow is what changes to the ordinary. It could be anything. What is chaining you? What is keeping you back? What's holding you back from this greater life? He's making a decisive break from his old life. Maybe it's an old, an old mindset, old friendships, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Maybe I, need to, maybe I need to have a friendectomy, right? I don't know the correct word. Endectomy is definitely going to be hard. Like to remove something from you is difficult. But if it's choking the life out of you, then you need to get rid of it. If it's keeping you from doing the things of God, I've got to get rid of it. I've got to separate myself from it. I've got to set fire to it. By setting fire to it, I step into the greater things that God has for me. What is that? You've got to notice what happens in the story of Elisha. Burns the oxen, burns the equipment. But not only does that, he burns the yoke that would have been on the oxen. The yoke is what steers the oxen or controls them. What drives them. And what turns their head. You see, it's a lot of times it's, we need to set fire to some influence or some baggage or some old religious mindsets because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My teaching is easy. My burden is light. Some of you are carrying heavy burdens and Jesus never called you to do that. He called you to carry a cross. That cross brings redemption. That cross brings salvation. That cross brings life to believers. I can preach this first service, second service. It always comes out different because there's people in the room that need to hear it differently. They receive it differently. I don't know what it is in your life that you need to set fire to and set fire to it and allow God to do something more in your life. In just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ because the greater things for us begin with first giving our life to Christ. And the greater things for others, we can't, we can't produce what we don't possess. I have to have it first. But the greatest thing that you'll ever, ever happen in your life is you give your life to Christ. And we do it, we do our eyes, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Because it's a private decision to give your life to Christ. But you bring somebody with you to church, we let you peek. Because I'm telling you, you, you do it for yourself, you raise your hands and you're well up with tears. When you bring a family member and you bring a friend, and I promise you, they raise their hands, you will ugly cry. You will ugly cry. Because the greater things, <laughs> the greater things are never about me. The greater things will always be about others. Will always be about telling others about Jesus, about others, what, what God has done in my life, what, the transformation he's made in my life. It'll always be about others. Because if it's not about others, this is just a club that we come hang out for an hour every Sunday. But if it's about others, greater things. I have the opportunity to do multiple things, not only be a pastor of a great church, but I also coach business leaders. Not, and it's, it's spiritual, just not, not biblical. It's not religious, spiritual. So they know, they get it. They, they, after a few minutes, they, it's different about you. Well, ask a question, I'll give you an answer. I'm not going to tell you. Ask a question, I'll give you an answer. What's different? Begin to talk to them, and we went to a conference, went to a business leaders conference, business leaders conference. There's Christians in the room, of course, yeah, but business leaders conference. We do these sessions. We're with, I'm with all these business leaders, and I'm coaching. They said, tomorrow there's going to be an optional worship experience. For anyone who's Christian, you can come be a part of it. Now, they're not Christians. They said, hey, do you want to go tomorrow? I said, do you want to go tomorrow? 
yeah, let's go tomorrow. So we had to get up earlier than the conference. You had to arrive early, come in, go in the conference. There's going to be a worship experience for people who want that on that day. The experience is happening. I'm sitting next to my friend. The man's preaching an amazing sermon. We heard worship that day. And then he, every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't look around. I'm like, oh, is this what's going to happen? person I'm sitting next to have coached for almost 18 months in his business. You know I was peeking, y'all. And I watched. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. And the hand went up. The tears began to stream down my eyes. That wasn't it. This man who was preaching that day was extremely bold. He says, if you raise your hand. Again, these are business leaders. They're in suits and ties. These are men that, if you like, I want you to come forward. I've got a Bible for you, but I want you to make another step. He slowly got up, pushed in his chair, and walked a long ways all the way up. His friends were with him. Like, should we go with him? I said, but let him have this experience. I said, let him go. And I said, just when he's done praying, be there to give him a hug after it's done. And, and he got his, guys, everyone's just crying. He's walking back and coming back to where I am. I didn't go up. I wanted him to have this experience. I wanted him to be there and have it on his own to walk these steps. And he comes back to me, wraps his arms around me. He's never hugged me, but he's hugging me now. And he says two words that I'll never forget. And two words that you want to hear, two words that you want to have in your life for us to do greater things. He said, thank you. And I ugly cried that day. He said, thank you. We can live cul-de-sac Christianity. Or we can do greater things. I want to do greater things. I'm going to preach Jesus until there's no more breath in my lungs. I'm going to tell people about him until I have no power or ability to do it because I want to do greater things. Because greater things will never be about Robbie. will always be about Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, knowing, looking around. If you've never given your life to Christ today and you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity. When I count to three, just raise your hand. Maybe it's been a long time since you said yes to Jesus and you want to just, gosh, I want to do greater things. I want to do more. If you're here today and you brought someone with you and they might raise their hand, I want you to go ahead. You can peek. It's okay. Respond when they respond. But if that's you today, you've never said yes to Jesus. It's been a long time. When I count to three, raise your hand. And you're saying, Pastor, I want to be included in this final prayer. If that's you today, raise your hand. One, two, three. Hands up. Hands up. Hands up all over the room. Thank you for the hand. Thank you for the hand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, drop your hands down. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say it out loud. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I realize today that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I repent of my sins and I turn to you. Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God raised him from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet and clap your hands. And let us thank God for greater things in all of our lives. Can we honor Pastor Robbie? Come on, give it up for him. What an amazing message. Thank you, sir. Thank you. If you're in the room today and that was you and you just made the commitment, you just made Jesus Lord, please connect with us. We're going to have prayer partners down here at the front or on the connection card. Let us know. We have next steps for you. You might be saying, okay, now I'm a Christian. What do I do? We want to answer that for you. So please do let us know whether you're connecting with a prayer partner or letting us know otherwise. Uh, I have a couple of announcements before we get on with the rest of our weekend. Uh, the Trunk or Treat on October 31st, that is a Sunday, uh, we got some feedback uh, about the times. We are uh, changing that for a little bit earlier, 5 to 7 p.m. If you'd like to volunteer uh, at the event or decorate a trunk, the signups are at guest services. I think we have uh, 9 or 10 so far. We need more people to volunteer for this outreach, and that's what it is. It's a handout to the community to say, hey, 
Yes, we're a church, but we can have fun too. And you'll be surprised at how many people will receive Christ through something like that. And so, uh, Trunk or Treat. Also, New Chapel Connect, Partnership One is today. If you've thought, hey, I want to find more out about this church, I want to plug in, join us today. Child care and lunch is provided. Jump into Partnership One with us today. Also, I wanted to give you guys the update with Chapel Ridge. Uh, there's been a lot of people asking, and I have a prayer request for us to be in agreement on and wanted to give you the update. Okay, so much progress has happened. Those rooms look awesome. It's looking like a daycare, praise the Lord. And so uh, that's awesome. On Friday of this week, we have our environmental health inspection. That's the last one before we can schedule our final, final inspection with our state licensing consultant. Basically, after that inspection goes through, the next day you can have kids. And so that's where we're at on that regard. It's exciting. We're making progress. Now, here's the prayer request. We need to be in faith, in agreement as a church that God is going to send us the right people. There's a lot of places that can't find work, and they'll just take anybody. We're not taking anybody. We have a high standard. We need Bible-believing Christians that we can, uh, we can trust, that those kids are going to be safe, cared for, and that we can trust to teach the Bible to them. And so let's be in agreement on that as we go through the rest of our week and these next coming weeks. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And as you go, have an awesome week, New Chapel. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.